Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 84, verses 8 through 12. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look in the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. Daniel chapter 5, verses 13 through 31. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king said to Daniel, So you are Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of of you that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that enlightenment, understanding, and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, they have been brought in before me to read this writing and tell me its interpretation, but they were not able to give the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. And if you are able to read the writing and tell me its interpretation, you shall be clothed in purple have a chain of gold around your neck, and rank third in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered in the presence of the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, or give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king, and let him know the interpretation. O king, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar kingship, greatness, glory, and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all these, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. He killed those he wanted to kill, kept alive those he wanted to keep alive, honored those he wanted to honor, and degraded those he wanted to degrade. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he acted proudly, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and his glory was stripped from him. He was driven from human society, and his mind was made like that of an animal. His dwelling was with the wild asses. He was fed grass like oxen, and his body was bathed with the dew of heaven, until he learned that the Most High God has sovereignty over the kingdom of mortals, and sets over it whomever he will. And you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. You have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. The vessels of his temple have been brought in before you, And you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have been drinking wine from them. You have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose power is your very breath, and to whom belong all your ways, you have not honored. So from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, 
God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed in purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made concerning him that he should rank third in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. What do you think? A man has two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Good morning and welcome to the 21st Wednesday after Pentecost. Uh, This morning's readings uh, are from the 84th Psalm, portion of the 84th Psalm again. We continue on in Daniel 5, this time through verses 13 to 31, and then finally the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, um, and that short parable that Jesus shares. Um, Laura reminded me, um, just a quick housekeeping note, um, that it, it is a bit excessive for me to continue to refer to uh, church time as days of the week after Pentecost. Um on the one hand, as we proceed through the church year in the different weeks and days, um, it does it is symbolically ticking up the days of the age of the church. Pentecost is the birth of the church when Jesus was um, ascended, and shortly thereafter, tongues of fire descended, and the gifts of the Spirit um, this uh, came upon the apostles and. Traditionally, that's viewed as the birth of the church. And so Pentecost is this really important day. Even if it was a one-time moment, that was our, our birth, our conception, I suppose. Um, the, the days that usually you'll hear after Pentecost um, to refer to them are the Sundays. The Sundays are you know, the major leagues, right? I've mentioned this before that... First formation um, in the spirit of hum- humility and hardiness. Um, I only do the weekday readings, which are these kind of scrappy, thrown together, last minute kind of, um, you know, that it, it does not have the same consistency and meaningfulness, I guess, as the Sundays. But that doesn't mean that there, there isn't meaning and significance there. It just means that somebody. It, it, it was an afterthought. But for a lot of grunts, a lot of uh, the vast majority of veterans who are typically lower enlisted when they were in, it is sometimes an afterthought, or they are treated as afterthoughts, even if you know, on the surface they get thanked for their service. Um, for the most part, like people don't really want to care. 
uh, or hear about the nitty-gritty details. People don't want to take the time uh, in between those, you know, thank you for your service, you know, experiences or something. Um, and so First Formation is like that. Um, it is not common to say the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday after Pentecost. What's usually said is the Sunday after Pentecost and the rest of that week is whatever, you know, day of ordinary time. And so there isn't a season of, well, wait a minute, is that true? Yeah. There is not a season of Pentecost. There's a season of ordinary time following Pentecost. The other ordinary time in the church calendar is directly following Epiphany before Ash Wednesday. So from January 6th through whenever Ash Wednesday uh, is, that's also ordinary time following Epiphany or Christmas tide, depending on who you talk to. So we are in ordinary time, not in some you know time after Pentecost. That's just the way we refer to the age of the church. And in the liturgy, the, the uh, morning prayer and, and the readings, it's, it is symbolic for the age of the church, even though it does get repetitive. Um, and thank God for um, iOS autocorrect. It, find, it, it just capitalizes Pentecost, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Uh, but to the readings, very, very quickly. Um, if you remember yesterday, it was the feast of Clarence Jordan. Jordan. Um, uh, somebody brought to my attention that at least on Quantania Partners' website, um, they give a timeline of Clarence's life and his conversion experience is um, described as occurring at ROTC camp. Now, ROTC camp could be a name for any number of trainings that people get or did get um, during the summers in between their academic terms uh, while they're in ROTC. Um, But the website of Quantania Farms um, uh, and the the book, uh, at least the, the complete Cotton Patch Gospels. He, I don't think he actually completed them. I think he died before he could complete them. But um, the people closest to him, uh, he never wrote an autobiography, but um, apparently his conversion experience, dramatic conversion experience, occurred while he was at some ROTC training camp, um, which doesn't sound too uh, dissimilar from St. Francis having this uh, you know, experience in war, sure, but his final confirmation of his vocation came on the way to war when he was going to go off and be in the Fifth Crusade. Or Ignatian, who who kind of simmered in the faith until um, one day he lays down his sword and his military uh, equipment and attire. He lays it down at the foot of the Black Madonna in um, uh, outside Barcelona in Spain. Um, Anyway, so um, yesterday we talked about uh, Daniel and how it left us with a cliffhanger, even though it was really Jordan's feast day. Um, That cliffhanger was basically like the king, uh, Belshazzar, was having a party, everybody's getting drunk, and the punchline is they're using the chalices and the cups and other um, uh, vessels from the Holy of Holies that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem, which was now in wherever in, in uh, Syria or something. And um, so they were getting drunk, drinking wine from holy vessels. And this 
human hand appears and writes a message on the wall and we get what that message was. So if you imagine yourself at a party and you're a little tipsy and this human, you know, cousin it appears. No, not cousin it. What's the name of the hand? I can't remember. Anyway, a human hand appears and starts scribbling on the wall. It sounds like a Stephen King novel. Um, but what was scribbled on the wall was Mene Mene Tekel Parson. And um, Daniel's brought in because it's believed that he could interpret this. He interpreted uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and he was rewarded for that. And so Belshazzar says, hey, that was my dad. Come help me out. And what Daniel says is, um, you're fucked. Your, your, your kingdom is going to be distributed your kingdom is going to end and it's going to be distributed to all these other people, the Medes and the Persians. And um, what's striking to me in reading it is, you know, it's clearly bad news. And in America, I think, especially in the last several years, we've kind of normalized the um, a certain kind of narcissism, um, uh, you know, the between reality TV shows um, and like the current administration, the... Um, the ability to delay your own self-gratification or be relatively dispassionate about your own interests um, in the interest of engaging in rigorous public debate um, has become like this uh, you know, fine wine or like delicacy that you only see when you really, really look for it. Um, and I mention that because if, you know, the king calls this guy in and... Um, and he says, um, you're going to die. And by the way, he rejects the gifts that the king was going to give him. He's like, keep that shit. I don't want it. This is what this message means. And this is why you're receiving this message. You, you use these holy vessels to get drunk. And the message that the hand was writing was sent by God. And God is saying, you're fucked. Um, and so you might think that the king is like, ah, fuck you. Go. I'm going to put you in the the furnace with the lions or something. I can't remember where exactly it happens with Daniel, but Daniel is, is it the pit of lions? I think it is. And then he tries the fire. Anyway, um, but the king doesn't do that. The king, even though Daniel has said, look, I don't want your your necklace of gold, your purple, uh, your fine purple garments or anything to do with your kingdom, the king even if he's insulted, he's still listening. And then the king um, abides by his promise. He gives him the golden necklace. He gives him the fine purple garments. And he gives him uh, third rank in the kingdom. Um, it doesn't last long because he dies apparently that night. Um, but this, um, I don't know, impartiality or, or less selfishness. I was going to say selflessness. But like less selfishness of the king... Um, is kind of striking. Like, he could have been vindictive and been like, I'm not going to give you that since you don't, since you're insulting me by not accepting my gifts. Or I'm not going to give it to you because you have, you've brought me bad news. He does give it to him. Um, and he, you know, he's clearly not gotten good news. How many times as, you know, an NCO or loan enlisted have you gone to your officer or your supervisor, squad leader, and said, you know, I didn't do, I didn't clean my weapon um, because you're a douchebag and uh, you didn't give me any, um, any, uh, 
what's that oil called? I can't remember. Um, and then your, your supervisor saying, oh, you know, um, you're right. I didn't give you any oil to clean your weapon with. And so it makes sense that you didn't clean it. Um, we live in a culture that, um, that has taught us to put ourselves before everything else put ourselves before impartiality, before the promises we make, before um, even like thinking long-term about what we actually want, not just what we want right now. Um, and that's a danger. I think the military helps um, keep that kind of stuff at bay by teaching people what it means to subordinate your own interests for the interests of the whole, um, I don't think the the military is not a perfect space and it it doesn't it doesn't do that for everybody and it can be a quite harmful space but um the one thing that everybody in the military has in common whether they've been to combat or not whether officer or enlisted um male or female um is is this subordination of self um yesterday we talked about humility in the readings and about uh Clarence Jordan and that is one thing that the military can teach if we're willing to be taught it, um, the humility necessary to know that it's not all about you, um, that sometimes you have to do what you can with what you've got, um, and complaining about not having what you need is, it's just not very productive. Um, I'm impressed by how many veterans and service members are deeply pragmatic, um, you know, are quite open about their ideological commitments, but also just kind of want to get stuff done um, and are, are far more willing to subordinate their own interests for the, uh, the good of the whole, but also not necessarily respond, uh, you know, as though they have this, you know, rice paper skin or something. Um, and I hope that that's a lesson for the wider church to, um, to abandon and to just kind of give up the, uh, the victim mentality that we sometimes um, embody, um, particularly for evangelicals uh, and for uh, mainline um, Protestant evangelicals, the idea that, you know, anything is owed to us, especially as Christians, um, that a wrong done against us is wrong done against us, not actually wrong done against God. Um, I think the military um, provides that reminder that you know, central to the faith, this humble um, kind of social location um, that forbids us from believing that we have any more worth than the, the man or woman on our left and right. A prayer in times of conflict from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you have bound us together in a common life. Help us in the midst of our struggles for justice and truth to confront one another without hatred or bitterness and to work together with mutual forbearance and respect. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation where PewPewHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, 
you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor Morning Prayer for Pew Pew People with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.